I'm going to end this book at 3 a.m. I'm sobbing in my bed <laughs> at 3 o'clock. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Welcome to the Book Jar Podcast, where both me and my friend Megan discuss book-related news and topics on a bi-weekly basis, except when she's on vacation, and then my friend Alex steps in. Hello. <laughs> so uh, I have an apology to make for you, uh, or to you, rather. Uh, so I called you Alex Johnson, and you are not Johnson anymore. You're no. Kalfa. Uh, so I apologize. Okay. Right. It's just recent. <laughs> it's recent, recent, yeah. So uh, how are you today? I'm doing good. We got Starbucks and we're about to talk about books. So what could be better? That's like pretty much the best thing ever, right? Yeah. Yeah? (laughs) We just spent like 30 minutes talking about books before this even started. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, It's a really awkward moment when you come over to record a book related podcast and then you tell me right beforehand can we start the book related podcast so we don't talk about books too much before we record the book related podcast (laughs) it's like oh yeah classic classic clearly (laughs) clearly you know why how we bonded yeah Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so how this works is each week we pull a topic from our book jar and we discuss it in the next episode uh so last episode we pulled out a topic about world building um which is like, I'm kind of spoiling things, but, like, you love fantasy books. So, yeah. like, I'm sure you were really pumped about Yeah, them. this is an exciting one. <laughs> um, but I do want to start with our most recent reads. So why don't you actually start this one off, Alex, as the guest, oh, you know? All right. Uh, well, currently I'm reading the Mistborn series by Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read Wheel of Time, and he is the one that finished writing that series because Robert Jordan passed away. So it was only fair that I move on from his him writing a different story to him writing his own story. So I'm in Mistborn right now. Book two, which is The Well of Ascension. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's great. You would love it. I know you would. I, I, so, okay. So I've gotten so much shit for, for not, not reading Ascension. <laughs> <laughs> like, <clears throat> I posted something on our Instagram and like a whole bunch of people who like know me in real life. So they, like, called me out and they were like, oh, like, you know, like, I love Sanderson. And I was like, oh, I have never read. And, and like, it got awkward. <laughs> like, it was, like, how one of those things you? where it was like, and how quickly can you rectify that, Marissa? <laughs> because I don't know if I can talk to you ever again. I was like, okay. Um, I don't think, this is terrible to say, but I think I've never been pulled to them because of the covers. Yeah, no, the they covers look, suck. Yeah, they, they look very... I think they used to have better covers because they were written a decent amount of time ago. I want to mm-hmm. say 2008 was when Mistborn came out. Yeah. Um, so they used to have cooler covers. And, like, the main girl in the story is, like, 16 years old. This does not look like it has a 16-year-old No, I, it's, cover. like, something being it shattered by, like, futuristic. a plasma ball. Yeah, and it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't. And I would just, like, walk past this. Yeah. Like, I hate that, you know, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, obviously. But, like, we all do a little bit. And (laughs) this one doesn't call to me. No, no, I agree. When I bought them, I was like, this is the cover. Like, I'm not going to like this. (laughs) It makes no sense. But, yeah, Um, very, very, very good story. I definitely would recommend. And I'm obviously going to have to read the rest of his world. Yeah. Um, And it is a world, I've heard, that has quite a bit of, like... 
I don't know, very well, very good world building. So it's on my list of uh, things, things to, to mention, talk about even though I'm one and a half books into <laughs> the world. <laughs> That's kind of a testament to it. But okay, so I want to talk about what I, I just finished reading. Um, and it was not, this was not an easy read. So it was The Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green, which I'm very happy to say I actually read. So this has been out for over a year now. Actually, I think John Green just recently tweeted that it has been like a year. So I've had it sitting on my shelf for a while. I pre-ordered it too. Like I was like, oh, <laughs> and, then, and, then and then it came in and I was like, mm. not ready for that yet. <laughs> not ready for that yet. So it is a book of reviews, but it's just a book of reviews about the Anthropocene or like the human experience. Mm. So he literally takes like very mundane or ordinary or even spectacular things, but like very like human things. So there's a whole chapter on Canada geese. I really loved. <laughs> um, but there's also, like, a chapter on, you know, like, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and okay. he, he literally sits there and he rates Dr. Pepper, but he talks about how, you know, like, what it means to him, how he's, you know, like, come, like, what made him love it, why he loves it, all this stuff. It was very personal. And lots of the chapters go very deeply into, like, his battles with mental health, like, specifically with, um, like... OCD anxiety and depression mm -hmm. and also like him coming to terms with people he's lost in his life and every time he's like oh like I'm like he mentioned something like oh this you know this person passed away and I'm like okay I'm fine and then he writes one line and I'm a like ugly crying just Gosh. like ugly crying over this book and I'm like fuck you drunk <laughs> so it's it's a really good read, but it's definitely not like, don't pick it up for like a nice little yeah, if whatever. You be happy. <laughs> if you want to be, it's hopeful. It's just not, you're going to talk about some. Um, and stuff. talk about covers. It is a nice cover. It is. An, it's beautiful, it's isn't pretty. it? Yeah. I like that. It's a very beautiful no, cover. <laughs> yeah. It's like not so nice. Nice. Right no. next to each other. Okay. So let's kind of dive into today's topic, which was best world building in novels. I know you have some that you wanted to talk about that are a little bit meh, which I'm actually looking forward to hearing about. Mm -hmm. um, but I do want to kind of talk about kind of the way that we break down world building in books, because I think a lot of people think about it in terms of like fantasy worlds, like very stereotypically like mm -hmm. the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Um, but there are actually three different kind of main types of world building so there's imaginary worlds so this is where everything is made up it's a brand new system you know you're having things like new religions and new languages and new um even like cultures races like, and stuff like elves and dwarves and yeah. hobbits and i'm just talking about lord of the rings D &D. now <laughs> yeah <laughs> D, D as yeah. well actually is is right up there um and then you have alternate realities and real locations which i think lots of people don't tend to think of as world building um, and what this really boils down to, in my perspective, is the work an author puts in to suspend your disbelief, mm. which is present in every kind of novel. Like any, you can pick up a fiction novel that's supposed to take place like where you live, about somebody your age, and there's still this suspension of disbelief that you're going to need to have to read this book. Mm -hmm. Because, and anything that kind of breaks that is is very hard to get over. That's that, that immersion break where you're pulled out and you're like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. Um, and so that's really what it like world building boils down to for me. And that's why like, when you think of 
in terms of actual places and stuff like that, that's actually a really hard thing to do as well. Like if you think of all the places in the world, like you have to know that place very well mm-hmm. or you're changing things about that place to make it fit what you understand in order to have a story take place there. And you can tell often when an author hasn't done that job. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've ever read a book and it's like, oh, this takes place in like whatever in like, yeah, I think this is more like common with movies where they're like, oh, it's like Seattle. And then it's very clearly like <laughs> the like, CN Tower. In- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like very clearly like, oh, that's a street in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, Supernatural does that a lot where like they're in different places in the states but like they're it's being filmed in Canada so it's like kind of funny (laughs) yeah so funny funny enough like Hank Green of all people he Mm -hmm. talked about one where it was um yeah I think it was Supernatural actually it might have been um but he was talking about they were supposed to be in Missoula which is where he lives like currently (laughs) and they showed this sign and it was like welcome to Missoula and it was like all this like wooded area and he was like let me tell you how this town works and how that's so not <laughs> <Absolutely> real not. <laughs> but even like working moms is it's a show on netflix yeah. and they had one of their characters move to alberta where i live yeah we live yeah. obviously and <laughs> they Wrong. put a front license plate <laughs> on the car <laughs> yeah there you go immediate, immediate. <laughs> and i was like no. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> so world building is very important no matter kind of what story you're writing but um let's start off with imaginary worlds so again, imaginary worlds is generally the type of world building we most associated with that term. Uh, these are often used by science fiction writers and fantasy novelists, and they are worlds in which every portion of the world is reimagined from scratch. Some of these imaginary worlds are based off of real moments in history or like real places, but they're they're kind of stretched and manipulated to look very different. Um, and they generally don't contain any aspect of what we know as Earth mm-hmm. or like our you know, home planet or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to start with like the famous one. I'm just going to yeah. get out of the way. Yeah. So this is J.R.R. Tolkien's yeah. Middle well, Earth, of course, which is featured in a number of his novels, obviously. I think actually all of them. And um, the very famous ones are, you know, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And the reason this is such a good example, so for those of you who don't know anything about Lord of the Rings because you've literally lived under, <laughs> lived a, rock under a rock for your entire forever. life. <laughs> I haven't even read it, all, all of it, sorry to uh, like say that, but, uh, and I know. <laughs> yeah. I've read most of it, but not yeah. all of it. <laughs> don't get mad at me. <laughs> I'm going to hold, you know, I haven't read Brandon Sanderson, so I can, you Okay, you know, so I, okay, that's, that's the goal then. You'll read Sanderson, I'll read the rest of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Because I actually really do. I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to just, I'm going to move. I'm yeah, gonna we're moving past on. it. We're moving past it. <laughs> so this is a land inhabited by men or humans, um, but also dwarves, elves, wizards, ents, orcs, and of course, hobbits, very famously. Uh, Tolkien designed every aspect of this world, and he actually started by creating an entire fictional language, elvish, or more specifically, a type of elvish called uh, Quenya. Um, from there, he devised uh, the outline for several other languages, designed a whole mythology, and wrote centuries of his- history. Mm-hmm. So he he went hard. Yeah, like absolutely. he went absolutely ham. I don't even think there's there's not another a lot of other novelists that even come close to like the level of detail. Mm-hmm. And this is I, I'm a I'm a Tolkien fan. I love Lord of the Rings. Like you will never convince me otherwise. But even if you don't like him, like the amount of work that has gone into building the world, like, you can't really argue mm-hmm. with that. Like, mm-hmm. when, if you sit down and you tell me you made a language that actually is, like, 
People can learn this. You can language. learn it. Yeah. And, like, write it, and, like, you can, like, it's a full-fledged language. It has grammar systems, like, everything. If you can sit down and you tell me you did that work, you could be the shittiest writer (laughs) in the world, and the world building is still top tier. Yeah. I was actually on Reddit looking up notes about different world building and worlds, and one of them was about Lord of the Rings, and a couple people were saying, like, you can say that you don't think Tolkien is a good writer or, like, the story you didn't like, but, like, you cannot deny that the world yeah. building is incredible. Like, yeah, absolutely. You just, you just can't. You simply, there's, yeah, no, you can't say that. <laughs> and the thing that comes across in this, so like, again, without even looking at the story, the plot, the writing, the characters, like you can hate all of that. That's a different conversation. But every part of the world feels alive because it's just embedded with all the things that he had created about the world. Mm-hmm. So when you're talking, like when you're reading Lord of the Rings, they'll reference stuff that happened in like their mythology and their history. Yeah. And then you can go back and you can read it yeah. in all these extra books that have been published about the world. And you can be like, oh, this is what they were referring to. Like yeah. it's not even explained in the main book. It's just like they reference this thing and you can go and like, look at it like a reference that's 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 the top tier really top tier yeah Yeah. truly truly okay i know you have a book to talk about here (laughs) well i have a lot of books (laughs) so um my first one on my list wait let me open up my notes here on i'm like i'm a little bit biased about this one because like i just finished reading it but i just finished the wheel of time like i said yes and i mean it's 14 books long so like the world building in it is pretty pretty crazy like there is a lot going on um you spend like a lot of books, a lot of parts of the books, like just learning about the world, learning about the histories. There's mm-hmm. so many different cultures in this series, so many different. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say that the language she made is like as the same like level as Tolkien, but there's definitely like different languages for mm-hmm. people. Um, the magic system is really cool. And just like, I don't know, the general like size of the world. Part of the thing for me that I think like tells me if I think this book is has good world building is like how vast I feel like it is when I'm in the story. And I feel like not only is the book series vast because it's 14 books long, (laughs) 15 if you count the prequel, but like you feel like you are in a big world Mm -hmm. and they do a lot of traveling um, around and like you really feel that time passing because of course, you know, you've got a lot of time to uh, spend there. So (laughs) it takes a while. I've Um, heard like nothing... So again, guilty of never having touched this series. It's it's an undertaking. Like, but like, <laughs> well, I, I do know that because you've been talking about it recently. It's taken me, this is like quick, but it's taken me, I think, seven to eight months to read the entire thing. And that's, that's fair. That's, that's quick. That's what, two books a month, <laughs> yeah, right? So yeah. like, you're you're still cranking. I ripped pretty, through it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. Like, that would take certain people who are slower readers, like, over a a year to multiple years oh, to finish, easily. right? Yeah. And I'm sure they're not like thin novels. No, either. they have at least 40 to 50 chapters in each. And the yeah. chapters are, there's one chapter in the final book that is longer than the first Harry Potter book. <gasps> yeah. Shut the front door. Yes. Shut up. Yes. And I, being the book nerd that I am, this was my, I had heard about this chapter. It's called The Last Battle, chapter 37. I believe it's 37. And if you don't know anything about The Wheel of Time, so uh, Robert Jordan started this book and then before he could write the final book, he found out that he was going to pass away. And so he wrote down all his notes. He took his money. Like, he was, like, in the hospital, like, um, dictating to, like, his assistants and stuff, like, so that this book could be finished by some point. 
And then he passed away and his wife actually read Mistborn and really loved the the writing and then called up Brandon Sanderson and was like, would you be interested in finishing yeah. this? And he was like, I watched an interview with him and basically his thing was like, you know, I thought about it and I was like, I want to be the person to mess this up. If anybody's going to do it, oh my I God, would I like to mess that. this up. I love this series. I've read it forever. And I want to make sure that like the fans get this ending. And I feel like I will do the best job of messing it up because it couldn't, it couldn't be fin- like, it's not his story. Right. So yeah. he was well aware that he was going to mess things up, quote unquote. And I actually do think that he did a very good job of ending it. And a lot of people like, majority of the fan base yeah. does feel like he did a good job at least from I, that. I haven't heard too many like again I'm outside of the fandom but like outside looking in I haven't heard too many people like even really complain that much about it mm-hmm. which says a lot because you're right I love that that makes me want to learn so much about Brandon Sanderson you have and no idea because just wait till you hear the rest of what I was gonna <laughs> oh say <laughs> like just that line like yeah I want to be the one to mess it up. Yeah. If if there's anyone who's gonna I sorry, yeah. I'm gonna let you finish now. <laughs> so he he gets all these notes and he's like, this is not one single book, because the last book was supposed to be called Memory of Light. Mm-hmm. Like, this is three books. We can't do this in one book. Yeah. And I have no idea how they thought that they were going to fit that into one book because it is what the last three books, truly, if you were in a slow point in the wheel of time, if you're like in the middle, you're at book 10 and you're like, I am bored, or this is like really slow for me. The last four books make everything worth it. Like they are just the building up to the ending. Yeah. And the entire last book is all battle. Like yeah. it is insane. <laughs> I'm getting so excited because like it was so, it was seriously so amazing. I was reading it. I'm like, I cannot believe I am still so invested in this. And we've been battling for an entire book. Yeah. Crazy. Anyway, so he was like, his thing was this chapter called The Last Battle. I wanted to make people feel like by the time they got to the end of that chapter, they were also exhausted. He wanted people to feel that way. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Okay. And so- he says, I was hoping that people would open that chapter, be at like 11 o'clock at night and be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to read one more chapter before I go to bed. But the <laughs> one chapter evil. they're on is, evil. is an entire Harry Potter book, right? Like, more words than the first Harry Potter book. He's like, that wasn't my intention, but like, I wanted people to feel exhausted by the time they read this. Because this is a 14 book series. Like, you've been reading this for yeah. years for some people. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Like, I'm going to read until I get to this chapter. And then I'm going to open it up at 10 o'clock at night and read the last battle chapter. And then, of course, I read the rest of the book. <laughs> Ended at like 3 a.m. Because I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to go for it. That is the most me thing to do yeah I was like I want this whole experience I'm going to end this book at 3 a.m I'm sobbing in my bed (laughs) at three o'clock I'm like oh my god (laughs) you are talking about this book and I'm literally sitting here like chastising myself like Marissa how have you not been part of this yeah but okay so I just want to take a step the I wanted readers to feel exhausted yeah Okay, this is not about writing. This is not an episode about writing. So I'm going to make this point very quickly so we can get back to the world building. But that is such a beautiful thing. And that is why I love writing. That is why I became a, a, like, I went to school for creative writing. Because the idea that when you see that happen in a book, where the way that they are writing is affecting, Mm -hmm. like, not the words. We're not talking about diction. We're just talking about how they're even structuring physically. Yeah is making you feel what the characters are feeling or what the, like, plot or the theme is ha- that's happening. 
So there's this idea that I fell in love with when I was taking a grammar course about, um, because everyone talks about like, oh, that's a run-on sentence and it just needs a really long sentence. That's not a run-on sentence. A run-on sentence is actually like a grammatical thing that you can do wrong Mm -hmm. in which you have a sentence that is improperly structured. But people use it as a really long sentence. And my grammar teacher was like, there is actually nothing grammatically wrong with writing a really long sentence. And it can actually be super useful to convey emotion because Mm -hmm. think about how you feel when you read a really long sentence. You feel winded, maybe a little bit overwhelmed. And so we had this assignment where we had to write a hundred word sentence. And I was like, okay, so what feelings go with a hundred word sentence? And I picked like anxiety, like Mm -hmm. a moment of like pure anxiety where like you're just about to cry. Mm -hmm. And the idea like... Perfect emotion. Yeah, right? And then... It was, and so like we could, we had to write a hundred word sentence and we could have one sentence before and one sentence after. Yeah. And the sentence after, so I went on and then it was like, and I wept. Yeah. But it was this huge, and I remember reading it and being like, this is the best thing I've ever written. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and like that comes from that level of like art. That's mm-hmm. when like writing becomes art. Like you can be a storyteller and not be an artist, but like when you say stuff like that, I'm like, "Ooh. Oh, yeah. you know what you're doing." Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's it it truly like the amount of respect I have for this author before even picking up a book of his is wild. Like That's wild. It's truly wild because I start reading this Wheel of Time series because, you know, I had seen the book, my mom had it forever and she had read it, and then I'm in Discord with like a group for a different podcast. Which I and, also love. Yeah. <laughs> Play D&D also. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, and so they were all reading it and I was like, maybe it's time I do this. And yeah. then I was like, this is awesome, first of all. I yeah. love this world. Um, it follows a character named Rand. He, um, I don't like want to spoil, spoil, but like, it's pretty clear that he is the, uh, I would say, quote unquote, chosen one. It, he is the main, like, uh, point of view in the first book. So like, think you can probably guess um anyways it follows him and like basically the journey that he goes on to like you know vanquish evil in the world kind of thing yeah um and there's plenty of other characters i mean by the end of the series there is 2700 named characters if that doesn't tell you about world building i don't know what does (laughs) 2700 named characters it's like named characters that's like writing a D &D campaign right there like it's like the npcs (laughs) But, yeah, exactly. But they all have to have a reason too. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Like, you start thinking about that. Twenty seven hundred characters. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Because like the series is huge, and the amount of different like cultures that he mm-hmm. puts in here. The magic system is very interesting. It's very like the magic system is based on like female and male. So I mean, you know, it was written in what, the nineties, I guess. Okay. And have yeah. that like gender dynamic that um, I know that a lot of people are like, that's not awesome. <laughs> um, it doesn't match our society today, for yes. sure. Yeah, definitely. And I would say my some of my least favorite parts about it are like the way he writes some of the romances are like iffy, but I still stand by like there are so many characters I loved. The world the world was just so vast. Yeah. And I hundred percent recommend it. Um, you're gonna be there for a long time. Yeah. But those last four books make any sort of slow parts worth it I would say and uh, there's not not to say there isn't great books at the start yeah. and like the middle but those last four books are pretty 
pretty incredible. <laughs> pretty incredible. Yeah, that's you talk about this the way I feel about Lord of the Rings. Which makes me feel like I really do deserve it. Yeah, I, I do really think you do. And I it's not near as vast, which is the great part for you. <laughs> that that's not true. The universe is vast and the world building is as potentially as intricate, it sounds, mm-hmm. but um, if not more so. But the way that when you get to that ending, you feel like that was the only way to end it. Mm-hmm. And you feel satisfied. Like even if you and that's what makes a great series when you can pull that together because it's yeah. so hard to do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, this wasn't a real time podcast. We just yeah. talked about real time for a while. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Tolkien one either. Yeah. So I'm going to move on to a different one. Um, definitely check both those out. I know I'm now trying to convince myself not to just go out and buy all the Wheel of Time. If you series? can go to, <laughs> I try to go to used bookstores and find the old covers because the new ones like have. Yeah, maybe I'll do like sticker. a slow burn. Yeah, yeah, about it. I tried to like go to older bookstores or like order them up like thrift books and stuff so that I could like get the old covers. I still yeah. had to. There was the moment where I was like, I need the next book immediately. Then I would go get the new cover, but they're not as cool as the old ones. Okay, good. Good to know. Maybe I'll do a slow burn and just like slowly try to find all fourteen yeah. in like used bookstores because yeah. then then that'll space it out for yeah, me before go. I have to start it, <laughs> so I can get some of my TBR off my shelf. Yeah. All right. I I did want to talk about it, um, a different book. So this is Daughter of the Moon Goddess by uh, Suling Sulin Tan. So this is um, it follows the story of Xing Yin, who is, as the title hints, the daughter of the illustrious Moon Goddess. Um, who has been kept in isolation and in secret from other goddesses. So this daughter is kind of kept in, away, in hiding. <laughs> and uh, so... I actually got that recently, sitting on my shelf to read. <laughs> it's a beautiful book, yeah, too. The yeah, the really beautiful. Yeah, so her mom became the moon goddess when she drank her husband's immortal elixir, and the other gods became angry at this act and imprisoned her in a palace where she raised Shingen in secret. Uh, Xingyan is forced to flee her home, and she discovers that she has both magic and, like, very good archery skills, which I know you'll oh, also love. Love. <laughs> uh, which she uses to gain status in hopes of eventually being able to admit to who she is and free her mother from captivity. Um, she befriends a number of people along the way and encounters others, a lot of whom are plotting to shape their own story in potentially malicious ways. So I didn't spoil anything because I do want people to read this book. And it is a new one. It came out in 2022. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. very, very current. Uh, if you want to buy it for the wrong reason, but like still a valid reason, buy it for the cover. Yeah. It's like the cover is very beautiful. Such a beautiful book. That was why I grabbed it. And then I read the back. And I was like, ooh, no, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And so what I love about this world building is that in spite of it, or despite being based off of Chinese mythology, it doesn't get lost in those roots. Mm. So I find that a lot of books that are based on mythology don't actually do a good job of like actually building up the world because they're relying on you to know something or they were just relying on like the myths. So they just keep referring back to that. Yeah. But at all points in this book, like Sulin Tan like actually brought this place to life. Like I felt like this was a real place. Mm-hmm. Like even as they had like flying chariots, like yeah. fly- people were flying, like it was just going nuts. And like, I was literally like, no, this is real. Like, this is absolutely 100% real. Like, I feel, you know, like, completely invested in the fact that this feels real. Um, many passages are spent slowly building up this world that we don't, um, 
that we don't know too much about without ever really losing sight of the story, which is really nice, and or taking away from the characters. So it's it's really well embedded, which I think just kind of really highlights how good of a writer she is as mm-hmm. well. Um, like honestly, probably one of the most gorgeous books I've ever read. Um, definitely my favorite from 2022 so far, like in terms of like putting a fantasy world out there. Yeah. Um, I feel like it can be hard to read a book based on a mythology without it sometimes falling short, mm-hmm. but like particularly if it's one that you don't necessarily like know or are a part of. I yes. Or um, maybe less explored or something like that, but like totally like did a great job of working within the mythology without mm-hmm. it feeling like it, like it says on the back that it's based off of Chinese mythology, but like at any point it just felt like her story at the same time, mm-hmm. which I like super appreciated. Um, so definitely check that one out. Did you have another one for imaginary worlds? Yes. I well, I know here. you do. <laughs> I'm asking out of, you know, like politeness. <laughs> Um, so one, actually, we can go on, like, sort of a, a different, like, cultural folklore. Um, the Akata Witch series is one that I picked up, I think, at the start of the pandemic, I want to say. Um, and it's, like, one of the reviews on the back of the front cover is, like, it calls it, like, the Nigerian Harry Potter. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I like Harry Potter. I don't like comparing things to Harry Potter now because of, you know. Obvious reasons. You know. <laughs> um, but the... The thought that it was like, okay, people, you know, learning about their magic and then going to a school to learn about magic. Like, that's kind of what I figured. And I would say it's sort of like that, but a very um, just, like, interesting way. And maybe this is less imaginary because it's more alternate reality now that I'm thinking about it. Because it is set in, like, real world Nigeria, but it has, like, this whole other world that you go into. Maybe this is a better one we talk about. For alternate reality. For alternate I, I, actually, I'm just going to jump ahead. I'll give the definition because I, I want you to continue your train of thought. So alternate reality in ter- in contrast to like an imaginary world building um, is somewhat similar to, they're somewhat similar to each other, but it's based in the real world as you're alluding to. So it has some sort of element of real life, mm-hmm. um, but then there's some sort of altered aspect. So this is a large part of like dystopian writing in particular like if you're ever confused about what this kind of looks like in a novel think of dystopian novels because they're almost always um this kind of alternate reality and it can be better to it can be better defined by the question that's being asked so it's like what if mm-hmm. what if there was a magic school mm-hmm. in our world mm-hmm. that we didn't know about which is the question obviously for like Harry Potter for mm-hmm. example um or twilight I'm referencing two maybe very not very good series, but like they are very famous ones. So like it's a good starting point. But it's like Twilight started with that question of what if vampires were real Mm -hmm. and we just didn't know about them. Mm -hmm. So we have this kind of setting in the real world. We have this connection to the real world, but then there's other elements that we're not aware of. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, why don't you kind of? So it follows um, a girl. I can't remember exactly how. Uh, old she is because it's been a minute since I've read it but her name's Sunny she lives in Nigeria but she was born in New York okay so she was she feels like a little bit out of place mm-hmm. um and she's also albino which is she's a really good like soccer player athlete but she can't go out in the sun very often because oh because yeah her skin so she kind of struggles with that a lot and then she finds out she's a part of this like secret magic society um called the leopard people 
And then she basically gets whisked away into mm-hmm. this world and is sort of like living in that world while still living. Like her family isn't really know about it. And so she like is sneaking away all the time to mm-hmm. go like learn about this magic that she's just discovered. And it's just very beautifully written. It's a, a really like cool type of folklore that I don't know, didn't know anything about. And it like really, I think, introduces that in a very good way. Like you were saying with the other one, like I, I didn't know these things. So yeah. like, reading about it in this sense was like very fascinating to me. Yeah. And, and the world is very just beautifully written and the characters are really like relatable in ways. Like and mm-hmm. feeling like you're out of place, like I'm not albino, but like, you know, you've everybody's felt like Everyone's other place in a certain to way. That, so like, you can relate to that. Yeah. yeah, like I don't fit in in this situation. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's on a greater or lesser scale or whatever it is. Um, what's the first book in this series called? It's called A Cata Witch, and then it goes A Cata Warrior and A Cata okay. Woman. Um the, the series has a name now. It's I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> So I can't remember it off the top of my right. head, but um, I, you could just look up a cat of witch series and it will come up. Okay, as well. perfect. Yeah. yeah, Nidhi Okafor is who that's how you say her last name is the author, author. and it actually got nominated for I think it actually won a bunch of very like prestigious fantasy awards for. That's yeah, that's books. super interesting. I Let me look it up while we're here at the awards. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Do you have the? Yeah, so uh, the main award. Well, this one that's listed on Wikipedia is uh, the American Library Association's top top ten. I think that's ten books. Twenty twelve. It was the best fiction book for young adults. Oh, here it is. Nominated for the Andre Norton Nebula Award for middle grade and young adult fiction. So mm-hmm. it's won quite a few awards and just it was just a very beautiful like world that I'd never experienced before, and I felt like I understood everything that's like a big thing for me with world building I'm like if I can understand what's happening very well or like picture it myself like that to me is like a sign of good world building so that's really definitely where you start to see those like math world yeah worlds kind of like come to mind where I'm like okay like you did a good job but and the writing or the characters or the plot was really cool and like there's lots of books that have that effect for me but then when you think about like did the world actually make sense or was it just like my brain kind of filling in some of the gaps there? Mm-hmm. Um, so another one I wanted to talk about. Oh, um, the author has also won um, the World Fantasy Award. Um, so that was where that came from. That's what I was referring to. Oh, okay. She won the World Fantasy Award just for writing in general. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so another one I wanted to talk about, which I also know you wanted to talk about because I borrowed it from you. <laughs> uh, so this was The Priory of the Orange Tree by yes. Samantha Shannon. Okay. So it's a hefty novel, yes. first off. It's I a single per- book. Yeah. I personally think it could have been broken into a couple books. It could have been a series easily. <laughs> um, it's like a 700-something page beast. Yeah. The cover is maybe one of my most... most most favorite covers (laughs) yeah of all time i think it's a very cool cover it's a very beautiful book yeah Yeah, it's a very beautiful book as well um it's so it follows the story of multiple characters so i'm going to try to kind of summarize this as best as i can but it it, there's a lot going on so it's set in a fictional land where the evil fire-breathing worm known as the nameless one was defeated almost a thousand years prior though many characters in the story 
with a puppy shaking. <laughs> Love that. Thank you, Howie. <laughs> I'm just going to continue and I'm going to leave that in there. Uh, so the Nameless One was defeated almost a thousand years prior, although many characters in the story contest as to exactly how this happened. Uh, we follow Iad, who is an, or Eid. I always said Eid. Eid? Yeah. I said Iad, so, you know, I'm yeah. probably wrong. I'm always <laughs> wrong. Um, who is an outsider acting as a lady in waiting for Queen Sabrin, who is expected to uh, produce an heiress at pretty much all costs to herself. Um, lots of pressure in that situation. Okay. Um, <laughs> because that is believed how they're going to continue to be protected from the nameless mm-hmm. one. Right. Secretly, Eid is part of a um, magic or mage society of the Priory mm-hmm. who are looking out for Sabrin as kind of sort of a last-ditch attempt to keep the Nameless One at bay is a good way to kind of summarize that, I think. Uh, we also follow Lord Beck, who's banished for being too close to the Queen and sent on a very futile quest at the start. Um, and Tanae... Tanae? I can't remember. I think that's her. Yeah. Yeah. Tanae, one of our main characters as well, has also been training her whole life to be a dragon rider out in the east where dragons are more worshipped mm-hmm. and treated as gods, or specifically water dragons are treated as gods, and they consider... That would be my area that I would go. Yeah, you were like, <laughs> give me more of uh, Tanae, yeah. please. Dragon <laughs> uh, riding? Yes. <laughs> we also have Nicolas Ruse, who is an alchemist, and another character who was banished... <laughs> Plus the banishment in this yeah. book. Uh, he was banished to the East for tricking the Queen. Right. He's kind of a, a nice way to summarize that, I feel like, too. And he is somewhat looking to even the score. Um, so part of the brilliance of the Prior of the Orange Tree is, despite the very enticing and intricate plot, like, Shannon has created a very detailed world. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, that was probably my favorite part of the book. I feel like one of the most, like, for the fact that it's a single, like, it doesn't have a series, and yet the world is so vast and so detailed. Yeah. And it's only one book. <laughs> it's, like, one book. And I remember sitting there being like, you put a lot of effort into this yeah. one thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, a standalone novel. Which I think is my issue with it. I really liked the book, but we spent so much time world building for yeah. it to only be a single book. That made me sad. I wanted more from it. Yeah, so personally also, I have quite a few complaints about this book. I think it was wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying this was a bad book. And I don't even mean them as complaints. I mean more just critiques. Is that the world building wasn't really flesh with the rest of the book. Like, it was, it was like, here we have our world building. Yeah. And then it was and like, here's, here's the, the story. story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, hey, here's our, like, religious system and then it was explained in like great detail and I was like that's great Mm -hmm. like you definitely put a lot of thought into this but like also in what situation would they actually be talking like this in this moment like Mm -hmm. it just felt very like forced it was like hey reader like you need to know this yeah um like the world building is cool but it's not like fit into the story yeah yeah that's the I I and I I really liked this book and I know a lot of it's like on TikTok. It's like a lot of people love this book. And I'm not critiquing, like, still a phenomenal read. Still check it out. Mm-hmm. I absolutely recommend this book. But personally, I was like, world building, A plus. Yeah. Writing, B plus. <laughs> like, it yeah. just kind of fell for yeah. me in other parts. But in terms of world building, it is one of the better ones I've read, especially like recently, because I do find a lot of 
um, authors rely on alternate realities or um, other magic systems like pre-built, pre-built magic systems and pre-built kind of fantasy worlds to take for their novels to take place in. And this really was where I was like, oh, this is very unique. Yeah, very unique. This is very well thought out. Mm -hmm. You definitely put a lot of like work into building this world. I just kind of wish it was a little bit better ingrained in the story Mm -hmm. where it's not like so much, oh, hey, world building here. Mm -hmm. No, Yeah, I wrote down like amazing amount of world building, if not like the story. I felt I felt like the amount of world building really like kind of hindered the story because we spent so much time world building. and couldn't get to the story part. And it's only one book, so that wasn't, like, we could have cut back on some of that to, like, let the story, like, breathe a little bit yes, more. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. Okay, so I, I do want to talk about some alternate realities as well. I do have one more. Oh, you do have one more. I won't. Yeah, but let's, let's talk about that one then. Well, so this, like, the Mistborn series, I've only one and a half books in, but the thing that I love most about this world building is the way that, unlike the book we just talked about, it connects into the story so well. Like, right. they explain the magic system. It follows the main character. Um, her name's Vin. She's 16 years old, and she kind of gets discovered. Um, it's a little bit of, like, a heist. Um, like, they're like a thief group that, like, you know, knows nice. this plan to basically overthrow, like, the Lord, the Lord Ruler is, like, the big bad of the story. Yes. Um, and I love that type of book. Yes. I love the heist, uh, the heist feeling of the book. So she kind of discovers she has these powers. Um, turns out that she's a misborn, is what they're called, when they can control all these different types of, of metals there. Um, mm-hmm. And so the way that the magic system is explained to you is while she's getting taught how to use it. Yes. And so it just... I completely understood it. Like yeah. the first time I read it, I was like, this is so clear to me. And it was done in a way where like story is happening, but you're still learning about the way yes. that this works. And I thought that was very interesting. And then Sanderson, quite a few of his novels are set in, I'm just reading the the name of it, the Cosmere, like fictional universe, like that's his universe. And so this is set in one part and then his other series is set in a different part of that world. So it's all nice. like interconnected in certain ways. I don't know how yet because I haven't read any more than the two books <laughs> I've read, but um, I've heard very good things. So that one, I would say, um, is definitely top tier for, for world building as well. I, I like that a lot. I like anything that makes it feel naturally told, Yeah, which is where you get a lot of protagonists coming from an outsider point of view, right? Like you think of like any sort of like magic school. That's why the magic school um, trope, which is actually a very old trope, like that did not start with Harry Potter at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Actually, like, um, Ursula Le Guin with The Wizard of Ursi mm-hmm. was, like, one of the more popular ones to kind of use it first. But I don't even think she was the first one. Like, I can't even remember. But, like, that format has been very popular because it lets us, who is an outsider to this world, in on how the magic works and how everything yeah. works in the world. So I, I do really like that. Of being exposed to it in that way and it sounds like it happens very naturally which is awesome yeah okay i am going to jump to one of alternate reality um and this is what i read really recently um so this is light from uncommon stars by Rai- raika Aoko- aoki um so this follows uh shizuki Shizu- shizuka satomi who made a deal with the devil 
To oh, escape yeah. damnation, she must entice seven other violent prodigies to trade their souls for success. Hmm. She has already delivered six. She meets Kat Katrina, a young transgender runaway, who catches Shizuka's ear with her wild hemp talent, and she's like, yes, I found the last candidate. Um, but then <laughs> Shizuka meets Lan Tran, who is a retired starship captain, interstellar refugee, and the mother of four in her bustling donut shop off of a busy highway. Wow. Um, so it's kind of a love story a little bit between them, but also we have this amazing... So I'm just going to take a step back. The alternate reality here is what if... I just threw everything I wanted to into our world and called it a day. Like, that was the question that Aoki asked herself before she started this book, I'm pretty yeah. sure. She was like, how can I put everything into one book and then still make it the most beautiful thing you've ever read? And I think this is so impressive because you read that and you're like, what the fuck is going on in this book? <laughs> right? Was that not your expression? Yeah, I was like, wow, this is a lot of things. <laughs> you're like, this is, this is Aliens? This is demons. This is we've got a violin prodigy. Yeah, we've got yeah. a donut shop. <laughs> and it works. And that is wow. like the most impressive world building. Yeah. Is when you can take all California. It takes place in California. <laughs> you can take California. Throw all of that in there. <laughs> like along the California coastline. And you can be like, okay, but our like one of our main characters is a violin teacher has made a deal who has made a deal with the devil <laughs> has multiple meetings with demons <laughs> throughout the course of the book and that does not get in the way or contradict or feel unnatural to the fact that she is slowly coming to fall in love with an interstellar refugee who is escaping her planet, which wow. is more, far more technically advanced than ours. And also, she's replicating donuts in her donut shop because she doesn't really, like, she didn't know what donuts were before she got here. But she also has, like, an AI daughter. And it works. Like, wow. that. the wildest part about that is, I tell you that, and you're like, that sounds like a very chaotic novel. <laughs> and yeah, it's chaotic, but, like, at no point was I like, no, this is yeah, this is not okay. This doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, amazing. Aoki is like my favorite author right now because of that. Wow, because I was like, that is talent. Like to pull <laughs> that off is talent. Yeah, the fact that you're telling me that that all just like works and it just—it's so seamless. Is like what is wild? <laughs> it's so seamless. It's so beautiful. It's so natural and it works. And then there's all this discussion about like queer identity and queer culture and. That also fits into this novel without mm -hmm. feeling like you're making an analogy to aliens or something like that. Like it just it's just very naturally put in. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like I could walk down the California coastline and I could meet these people and I would be like really shocked. But like also I would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is happening. Wow. Yeah. Very so cool. read the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm want... going to. I'm I'm invested now. I'm like, if wow. You, if you want like a super chaotic read, but like a beautiful read at the same time, it's yeah. it's great. I love that. Did you have any other ones you wanted to mention for for um, alternate realities? Alternate realities, yes. Um so one in particular, Percy Jackson, I think is a big one. And mm -hmm. you 
I've not read it, which is very upsetting. I'm getting in trouble in this podcast. Very upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> you got to read it before the show comes out because I think that it's going to be a good adaptation because yeah. Rick Riordan is very heavily involved and it's yeah. been very heavily involved in casting. And I just think that's great. I probably like um, the fandom hates the movies that came out. I sort of secretly like love the first one, even though it's a bad adaptation i just kind of like love it <laughs> you're like because i it's don't like, care it's because it's like wow like... this world like i feel like i'm kind of in it and yeah like the story is messed up and it just it doesn't work but like i will like watch it occasionally because i'm like oh, i just i just love these books so much guilty <laughs> pleasure that's okay but percy jackson follows like a young demigod um his father yes. is poseidon and i think his name is percy jackson and he comes to find that like he um, you said that like it was obvious, but I actually never knew. Yeah, that I knew Jackson it was based Olympians. off Percy of, Jackson like, and the Lightning Thief is the very first one, but it's Percy Jackson and the Olympians is the first like five books. Right. Yeah. I knew that it was based off of like like a connection into Greek mythology. Yeah. But I actually didn't know his dad was Poseidon. Yeah. Okay. Well, but that makes so much. <laughs> no, but that makes so much sense now that you said Percy Jackson. I was like, oh, that's obvious. Yeah. <laughs> And just the way, like, it follows kind of his adventures and his, like, kind of, I don't know, it's sort of a coming of age, Yeah, I would find, I would say, novel. And, you know, he goes to what's called Camp Half-Blood, and it's where all these demigods are, are living, basically, in training. And, like, um, part of the, the reason he goes there, he's always been, like, one of those things where in school, you know, he's always been told, oh, you're, you're dyslexic or you have ADHD because, like, you know, you're all... I don't know, you can't focus, you're like a bad kid kind of thing. And then he goes and he finds out like that it's because he's actually a demigod and he has all these powers and right. that's why he hasn't been fitting in properly into, you know, society technically. Mm-hmm. But he goes to Camp Half-Blood and he learns about his like parent <laughs> and he meets uh, Grover, Annabeth are two of the like main other characters in there. And then um, in the first book, the lightning thief, the gods think that he stole Zeus's like lightning bolt mm. weapon, and so they're kind of after him, sending monsters after him, sending stuff. He's got to go on this quest to basically find the lightning bolt, even though he didn't steal it and bring it back to Olympus. But the way Rick Riordan like writes this world into the real world, being like the things that go on in the real world are because of parts of this. Like, oh, I like that, yeah. Demigod world, like, the um, Olympus is on the top of the Empire State Building. So if you go up there and you are a demigod, you can get to it. And it's, like, it's shifted. I haven't read it in a long time, but basically, like, it's shifted from, you know, Greece to Western culture. And now it's, that's where you get to Olympus, right? You right. You go there. Um, and there's just all sorts of references to things on, I mean, the East Coast, I guess, would be, because it's New York. Um, but I just love the way that he connects it to real world stuff to make me fully believe that, like, yeah, no, it makes sense that Olympus is yeah. on top of Empire State Building. I believe that, you know, there's demigods yeah. just running around on their own quests. And, like, yeah. I, I fully am on board with it. <laughs> I'm, I am a believer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's written for, like, I think the age group is probably, like, not even young adult. It's, like, young teen. Yeah. Um, but I would still read it to this day like they they're really great he's very he has this very specific thing that he does where he starts off chapters with like a like kind of like a a hook sentence that like you weren't expecting or it's like a character talking about something and I you would notice it if you read it you'd be like oh yeah I I absolutely understand what you're saying but he not only does he have the Percy Jackson series but he has all of these other series that are kind of 
interconnected with different types of gods. So right. there's North mythology, Norse mythology, there's Egyptian gods, um, there's Roman gods that they bring in, and like he's just, I don't know, it's like real world, but like you're saying, alternate reality. Yeah. I really feel like that it's totally real in some ways. <laughs> I like that though. Like, and that the question, you know, you're asking there too is like, what if what if we could explain all these things we can't explain? Yeah, like, right? what like, if what if the gods were actually behind that? Yeah. What if, you know, everything that we think is weird is is actually just, you know, Zeus or whoever. Yeah. And I just like the way he describes some of the gods, like they're just like grumpy and, and Zeus kind of like yeah, so my, an asshole. My, and... <laughs> my favorite graphic novel right now is Lore Olympus, which also is about the like Greek, um, the Greek gods and stuff like that. Um, and it's kind of a reimagining of of that. And my favorite thing about it is that the presentation of Hades is just Hades being like the like shy, worried brother who Aww. couldn't say no when Zeus was like, hey, do you want to be the king of the underworld? And he was like, you guys promise you'll visit though, right? And then they were like, yeah, totally. Like, we'll totally visit. And then they just never did. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I guess yeah. I'll just be depressed down here by myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love that because it's just, it makes like it's stories that, yeah, it makes it feel real and like relatable. Like Zeus or like Hades becoming like this relatable person yeah. and Persephone becoming like this like cinnamon roll. Like, like that just makes it so much nicer. I, so I, I'm on a big kick right now for that. So maybe, maybe I'll just pick up Percy Jackson. It, it's honestly everything I, pretty much everything I know about Greek mythology is of Percy Jackson. I love that. <laughs> and then the next series that I read after that is called Heroes of Olympus. And that's more like the Roman gods. Um, but they, they're like versions of the Greek gods. Yeah. Like the roughly Romans, the same gods, but yeah. they were like named after. So like um, Poseidon is Neptune. Yeah. And Zeus is Jupiter, I want to say. Basically, sure. to my understanding, although anyone who's more familiar with Greek or and or Roman mythology, please correct me, but they basically the Romans were like, okay, we like this. They're like, <laughs> we like this, but we we it's like copy like you can you can borrow my homework, but change it. So yeah, it, it <laughs> I think I think that's uh, it was yeah. like, and then they were like, okay, Neptune. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do planets. <laughs> Let's do planets. Yeah. But, but some is... of them do like right crossover. Like they got really lazy with some of them. And they're yeah. like, oh, same Probably thing. Same. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Aries is, is uh, no, Aries is Mars. That's what it is. Mm. I was going to say Aries. Um, yeah. Definitely recommend Percy Jackson. It's, yeah. They're a great read. They're a quick read. You can get yeah. to them so fast. And even though it's a younger voice, I still am like, yeah, I'm 100%. <laughs> yeah and rick riordan notably is very um good to like he brings in a lot of um like new authors and like i don't 100 percent know it but i believe he has like his own sort of publishing company where he brings in new authors and will, like you know release their book under like rick riordan presents and it's like this book with he kind of uses know, his authors. name to like propel them yeah. forward which is really awesome and he's been very outspoken with the like Casting. irritating people that are like mad about some of the casting choices yeah. he's like you guys are being racist like literally you're being racist <laughs> and like actually calling that out makes me like wow neil gaiman is actually pretty good at that too because a lot of his stories are being adapted right now and i can't remember the one that's being adapted right now but they cast a woman as i i, I want to say lucifer like mm -hmm. like the devil and then they were like this is so wrong. Like, <laughs> and then he was like, first off, 
this is exactly how, like, she looks identical yeah. to how I drew it, like yeah. how it was drawn in the graphic novel. Yeah. Second of all, <laughs> being a little misogynistic, my yeah. dude, like yeah. why, like yeah. the important characteristics are still coming through. So why, why would I care mm -hmm. beyond that? Yeah. Right. Like the character is what's important, not the characteristics. Yeah. He's like, look, this girl beat out 10,000 other girls to who were trying to become yeah. Annabeth. Like, she is Annabeth. Yeah. Whether or not you, like, are going to be an asshole about this, she yeah. is Annabeth. And well, she's going to do a great job. The good thing is, is I've seen a lot of people on TikTok, like, definitely, like, definitely there's been a lot of hate. But, like, I've seen a lot of people on TikTok be like, this is the best casting yeah. ever. And they're just so excited. Yeah. And I love that. Like 80% of my Twitter feed is people being like, oh my God, I am so excited. This yes. is perfect casting. Like, these are going to be great characters. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you read the comments. Exhausting. But you know what? I think the majority of people are going to be like, you know, this is amazing. I love this. And yeah. I think it's going to be great. I'm very excited for it. Do you have any others for alternate reality? Um, let me look at my list. Not Well, actually, I guess, is Ready Player One? Alternate reality, or is that kind of... So, cool? I would say that it is alternate reality, personally, from having read the book. Um, so, it takes place in what would I, would, I would term dystopian society, mm -hmm. which is already going to be an alternate reality. Yeah. Um, but we're taking it a step further because most of it takes place in... The Oasis. The Oasis, which is a virtual. literal alternate reality. Yeah, like <laughs> the virtual reality world that yes. built. Um, when you said you were going to talk about this... I was like, Marissa, how did you forget about this book? <laughs> uh, it's one of, like, my favorite books that I read in 2021, because mm -hmm. I read it way later than... You actually borrowed it from me, I think. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I have never enjoyed... <laughs> like, I just enjoyed the world. Yeah. And I enjoyed the references. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that was one of the, like, coolest parts about reading that book was... Yeah. And the, the way it's, like, injected into the story, like, they're, they're, I want to say, like, 80s, 90s, like, pop culture references, yeah. but put into a futuristic world where, A, the world is a disaster, so everybody escapes to this virtual reality called the Oasis, and there's this whole, like, competition going on to basically get the keys to, like, the world. I wouldn't say, like, own the world, but kind of, kind of own the world. Kind of own the um, world. And, you know, no one's ever been able to, like, discover where these keys are or how yeah. to get through it. Um, but it has so many cool, like, amazing references. There's so much D&D references that oh were awesome. Oh my gosh, the D&D references, like, drove me absolutely insane. Yeah, and, like, old video game references. Yeah. So it's, like, it feels like this is a, like, this could be a future. Like, why not? This could be a future <laughs> in which the idealization in which we look back just becomes yeah. our reality. The amount of nostalgia in that book is... But it feels, it doesn't, like, there was, there was, like, one moment where I was, like, it's weird that it's all 80s references. <laughs> you know what I, I had that, like, single moment where yeah. I was, like, mm, maybe could have spread out the references and made that feel a little bit more realistic. Maybe but it's, it might be slightly nostalgia baiting. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? I still love it. Like, I yeah. was 100% But then invested. I just, like, it was, like, I'm willing, yeah. I'm willing to suspend my disbelief of that because of the amount of world building that's taking place here and what i what i love a lot about it is it it felt really real in how society had chosen to maintain itself mm -hmm. in because it's like 
described as like trailers stacked on each other in like poor communities because they've run out of space. And then you're right. There's everyone escapes to the Oasis because there's literally nothing really redeeming about the real world. Like the real world sucks yeah at that point like even more so than maybe this real world yeah um but like it it's a mess like a disaster it's a disaster but like the idea that like instead of taking it to a disaster where like technology has fallen apart technology has taken over and i was like that's i buy that yeah yeah (laughs) i buy that it's just yeah it it does feel rather real because it's like all technology based and it's like oh yeah that could like virtual reality is like a thing yeah and it could very well be that kind of thing. That kind of thing. It could um, come in at that type of, yeah, like, level. Yeah. And I know you didn't read the second one either, much like me, because we heard that a lot of people hated the ending. But, you know, the first one's definitely worth the read. I don't definitely know the if read. I can vouch for the second one. If you like Ready Player One, by the way, another great read that's not, it doesn't have the references to pop culture that made um, Ready Player One very fun. But it has the same kind of I- idea of, like, where we start to rely a little bit on alter, alter virtual reality rather <laughs> I can't talk now <laughs> virtual reality is Joan He's the ones we're meant to find which mm-hmm. Megan and I I don't think ever shut up about this so of course <laughs> I had to figure out a way to mention it in this one but that is based on a dystopian society where they also have this augmented reality mm-hmm. aspect which is making life just so much better to live right um, so if you sure. liked that aspect of Ready Player One and you don't want to read Ready Player Two or you were, you know, disappointed yeah. by it, <laughs> check out some Joan Me. <laughs> <laughs> Was that all you had to talk about for that one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I do want to quickly talk about our last category, and then I know you have a couple of mad ones that you wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel so, like I missed one for the imaginary, but you know, we, can, we don't have to go we can, into we, it. We can mention it just to make sure that it gets out there as well. But, okay, so we have actual locations or real places. Uh, So this is more commonly described instead of world building as just setting, um, which is a very boring way to talk about how um, there's world building in contemporary or historical fiction. Mm -hmm. But, like, in reality, it is actually the same thing. In this case, we're invoking the sense of place, meaning we're focused on bringing a setting to life and feeling real because it is real. It just, we need it to feel real to the reader. I love thinking about this in terms of world building when you look at classic novels. So if you take any like Jane Austen or Charlotte Bronte novels specifically, those places feel real despite being the fact that I can't go back to like 1800s England. Like Mm -hmm. I don't know what that feels like, but it feels like that is how 1800s England felt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like that's a legitimate thing. Um, And the settings in these novels work because the author did that work to build that world without really realizing it either like they wouldn't have had that term world building they would have been like I don't know I'm just talking about (laughs) I'm just talking about England man like um but that is so it's just the type of world building that makes um places feel alive so um Valette by um Charlotte Bronte and Jane Eyre are really good examples of this I think anything by Jane Austen does a really good example, especially explaining like the society that like how the society is different without really even knowing that that's what she had to do. Um, and then there's another novel that I wanted to mention. I'm going to mention it really quickly and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but Lures by Sue Goyette. So this is actually by a Canadian author who writes about being like it takes place in Quebec. Mm. And what I thought was really interesting about this novel is like I read it in high school and we had learned a little bit about like 
the kind of cultural shift that happened in Quebec where, you know, there was a refocusing on French, um, like kind of prolonging French culture and language and stuff like that. But she talks about it in the novel in like a very real way in the sense that I was like, okay, all of this makes sense. And even when the, um, like the story isn't about that cultural change, that cultural shift, but it talks about it in a way that just presents that world really clearly so that when we're talking about other themes, we get how that ties in and how that's augmenting or how that's kind of um, sparking, you know, a little bit of like conflict, why there's such a resistance or why two people are having, um, you know, kind of like a fight or something like that. I think it's just really well done. And I didn't know enough about that cultural shift in Quebec when I read it. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that without sounding too preachy and too much like a textbook was actually quite impressive. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of wanted to call it that book. I know you have, you have well, a thought on your mind. Yeah, because <laughs> I just looked up. I was Because you mentioned Quebec, and I read a book last year. It looks like I'm just reading my Goodreads. I love it. <laughs> um, it's called The Forgotten Daughter. Um, and I wouldn't say it was my favorite book, but it's set in, like, real-world Quebec. Um, mm-hmm. And part, like, one of the characters follows her story where she was... I'm going to get this wrong because I haven't read it in a while, but she was an orphan in Quebec. And what happened in Quebec um, is they had all these orphanages and there was so many kids in these orphanages that they couldn't get, like the government couldn't fund them or like really didn't want to fund them. And so what they did is they turned the orphanages into like asylums, like mental hospitals basically. And all of a sudden, all these orphans were classified as, like, mental patients. And I know this is a thing that actually happened. I think I'm explaining it wrong. But then these poor children had to basically, like, take care of actual, like, patients who were. That's interesting. Yeah, like, I'm I'm certain I'm getting the actual history of it wrong. But, like, part of her story is she was an orphan in these hospitals and then got out and um like part of her story is like she she was looking her parents were looking for her and mom was looking mm-hmm. for her and then like was told that she didn't exist or wasn't at this hospital but yeah. she actually was there and then she gets out and they had this whole um place where like the orphans were like suing the government because they were like you ruined our lives like you put us in we thought we thought we were insane and we had to get all of these like like basically assessments done yeah done to like prove that they were insane when they were just orphans like they didn't they didn't choose to be in there like they were just and I I believe this is an actual thing that happened in Quebec at the time and also it's sort of paired with like the um separatism and like when Quebec was trying to become its own um country I guess and that part of it like I was immersed in Quebec history at that like I had to read up about all of this information and I was just like blown away and it really felt like this was an actual girl that this happened to and yeah like, i think like the history is real but like i, I don't she wasn't a real character yeah and uh yeah i wouldn't say it was my favorite story because it's like not something that i would normally read but that made me like i need to go research back and yeah. learn about this stuff like it's it was insane to that is about. so what i mean about world building like that was the strong point of that novel mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's what drew you in that's what's drawing me in just hearing about it yeah. right it's powerful when they actually like are able to do that world building and it's 
it's overlooked in like things that take place in real life. Like we don't think of it as world building, but it is because you still need to build up that Mm -hmm. society, that idea of society that's going to be explored in the novel. Yeah. And I'm wondering also too, if the Da Vinci Code kind of fits into this. I know you haven't read it. (laughs) Okay. So as far as I know about the Da Vinci Code, which I have been yelled at multiple times for not reading this one as well. Um, act like you haven't read any books that you've literally read so many i've read so many books but it's 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 literally like these very like popular novels that i i actively avoid because i'm that person but as far as i know about the da vinci code that would be alternate reality it's a very like what if question right like it's it's very much real world but there's stuff that like the history part is true i believe Um, but it's like like shifted slightly was was Leonardo da Vinci actually part of this like society yeah, yeah. and like leaving you know clues in his paintings and stuff like that yes which I think part of that is true like I don't know about the society part like maybe some of the things he did in his paintings were like a way to history there is that if I remember correctly is he wasn't religious but he was often like painting religious stuff so he would like put things in the paintings that like it was like his little rebellion. his little way of yeah being rebellious, and I don't know which is brave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know time. how true it is, but the, yeah. the history of like his painting and stuff is like very much in there. I um, I, I do yeah. As far as I know, it's that would be an alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't read it. But what I know about it, it would be alternate reality because you're just asking that like, what if this was slightly different? Yeah, yeah. Um, which has forced you kind of into like. A different form of alternate reality. I feel like a lot of books that could fit in this category are like wartime fiction yes. stories, very much so. Um, and to me, that is one of my favorite ways to read history is like fit it into a story yeah. and actually have the truth about the historical stuff, but like maybe the characters aren't real. Yeah. Um, I find it much more fun to digest, I guess. Yeah. So totally. Like, then like a textbook war, or like, like a nonfiction book about yeah. like the war. It's like, yeah, that's great but give me at least something to cling to on the side mm-hmm. while i'm learning mm-hmm. the secret stealers is a good um, yeah that it follows like uh, i can't i read it last year as well i can't remember the main character's name but she becomes she joins like this company and she becomes like a spy and has mm-hmm. to get sent over to france during i want to say world war ii and she's a spy there mm-hmm. and uh i don't know very like thrilling to read i would say like you're you're it's a page turner for sure. I love that. Okay, so we are nearing the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I want I mentioned it too many times to not let you the say them. Once. So I want you to say them that once. <laughs> right. And then um I'm gonna I'm gonna not comment on them. Okay. Okay. All right. So my I listed this as meh world building because I I didn't want to say bad world building because some of them yeah. are like it's fine, but it's not the best. Yes. Um so option one, throne of glass. Meh, world building. I love that story, but I agree so strongly. I'm not <laughs> gonna say anymore. Uh, this one probably controversial, but uh, Harry Potter again grew up with the books. I do feel that there are holes. I'm gonna say one thing about this. So, the line, "What is a rubber ducky? What is the function of a rubber ducky?" Hilarious. <laughs> How the fuck? I don't How understand. is that possible? I do not understand. <laughs> um, and then for some reason, I put these two in the same note, but uh, Divergent and then Red Queen. Again, loved Red Queen. Really I did. agree so strongly. <laughs> Divergent, don't know 
I loved the first book and then it kind of went down. It fell apart. Yeah. Um, and then this one also maybe sort of controversial, but Shadow and Bone slash the Grishaverse. Um, I love Leah Bardugo. I really love her writing. I, I enjoyed the story. Didn't enjoy Shadow and Bone as much, but mm-hmm. I enjoyed the rest of the stories. But not my favorite world book. Or maybe just that's why that's why this list turned from bad to meh. <laughs> Was that bad one? to meh? <laughs> I agree with all of the ones that I've read on that list. So and Red Queen. You cannot tell tell me. (laughs) You cannot tell me these people. Spoilers for Red Queen, by the way. Red Queen. I'm Uh, sorry, Victoria. But (laughs) I I don't understand how you know that there was you you've gotten enough of your your geography right in this dystopian society that Toronto became Tonto. (laughs) But you have no recollection. Of democracy. (laughs) We're focusing the wrong things there. (laughs) I just think there might have been a little more coming through if you kept on to Tonto. (laughs) And other areas. There's definitely other areas. Yeah, the naming drove me crazy. Yes, so you can say in short, I definitely agree with those points. I'm going to let that go, though. We are at the end. (laughs) Is there any other... Like last minute notes you wanted to mention. I said you, you said you missed one, so I do want to give you a chance to say it. Yeah. Um. Well, my one part of like imaginary worlds was um, Dune, the book Dune, and like just came out with the first half of the movie. But the the world building in that series is I've only actually read Dune specifically because I've heard similar to uh, Ready Player One that the series the, the story is maybe not as fun. Like people don't love the ending, but Dune has. A crazy amount of world building and it's a very different type of sci-fi book because it's in the future but they don't have the same kind of technology that you would expect from a sci-fi book and i found that very fascinating and very like able to i guess like believe um in a way like there's no you know they don't have like aliens they don't have the same type of spaceships you would see in like a star wars they don't have like laser guns and like this kind of thing like it's very like minimal technology based um but which still is, in the future, which yeah. is very interesting. So it follows, <laughs> the main character's name is Paul. And then there's all sorts of weird names, but his, his name is Paul, which I is like hilarious. I don't even know how to describe the the big story, but basically like his family is sent to take over the planet Arrakis. And Arrakis is like a sand planet, basically. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no, no like plant life, basically. It's the desert. Um, and they mine something like they call it the spice. They mine the spice because that is the thing that allows for um, ships to travel between planets, basically, mm. is the spice. And it follows basically his story. Um, and, you know, you can say what you, there's definitely critiques about the type of story it is. It's a little bit like, you know, white savior boy. Yeah. Um, but the, the world is so vast and they're only on one planet. And I for I some love reason that. feel like this world is huge. And maybe it's partly because I watched the movie. And I mean, I, I made sure to read the book before I watched the movie, but I still feel like it's a very good adaptation. It's only half of it. But yeah, that one I definitely think has very wild world building, incredible world building to be like on a single planet, but you still feel like, wow, I, I feel like this is a huge, giant universe. Yeah, I think Dune... Is it? So Dude's another one that I haven't actually read. It's a harder read. Um, yeah. Frank Herbert is, I would say, not like 
there's got a lot of like political stuff in it yeah um, which is part of it and some of it can be like slower I would say but it's Mm -hmm. still a very interesting story and like I was like I'm gonna read this book before I watch this movie because I yeah too um but I definitely really enjoyed the book um a lot I would say it's been a while since I've read it so I'm gonna have to go back and read it when the second half comes out (laughs) um but yeah and the fact that they were able to cast that so well I think is partly because of how well like the characters are described in the books and how well they're yeah. built. Yeah. I love that. Okay, I have so many thoughts, but I'm going to cut myself short. Uh so I, I do want to let people know where to find you um if they are looking for and I know <laughs> maybe not all of your social media is just about books, but some of it is. Yeah. So <laughs> Um, okay, on Twitter, I'm just Alex Kalfa. It's Alex with an I, you know, I-X-C-L-A. Oh, no. C-L-A. C-A-L. Oh, my God. I can't spell <laughs> A-L-I-X-C-A-L-F-A. Okay, Alex we'll Kalfa. put that in the wow. description, because in case you missed um, that. I'm often retweeting things about Percy Jackson lately, and then the Wheel of Time stuff, because Very that's recent, what I do. Yeah. Uh, probably some Star Wars things, too, because Obi-Wan Kenobi's coming out. Um, and then I have a book talk account, which is hilarious. I haven't posted on it in forever, but Al's books on TikTok okay. and then Alex Kalf on Instagram. If you feel like finding me. Yeah. I also have a design account on, on Instagram, you know, Just it's in my bio place. of my yeah. regular ones. So you can, I have a lot of Instagram accounts, much like you. Yes. So yes. I am. Places, those are the places. It's when I get bored, I just make another one. So <laughs> I'll put all of that in the description. Uh, otherwise, do you have any kind of last thoughts or any last things you want to say? Um, nothing that won't take another 40 minutes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> we might have to have you on again because I feel like you have a lot that. of thoughts. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. And I was really excited to record this one. And I actually am really excited about what we talked about. So yeah. thank you very much. Um. That being said, if you're looking for more book jar podcast content, then you can check us out on Instagram. We are at the book jar pod. Um, I forgot to do a very important thing. Almost. We have to draw our next topic. I do. <laughs> so why don't you pop that lid off of that and I will draw it out. I'm so glad I remembered. <laughs> I was like, she going to forget. <laughs> All right. In your opinion, what makes a good antagonist? Give Mm. examples. So this is from Alicia, who likes to make us work for our questions, we've learned. (laughs) Uh, So I will be letting Megan know that she is not off the hook when she gets back from vacation. She has to do more work. Uh, And that'll be our topic. I'm very excited about that one. I like talking about antagonists. Speaking of uh, topics, you should put in here um, magic systems, your best magic systems in books, because I was thinking about that as I was writing notes, and I was going to tell you. That is actually a very good idea. We're going to have to add that to the jar. Sort of a part of world building, but also could be completely separate. Yes, it it's very involved in it, and I'm going to leave it at that sentence because otherwise <laughs> it will be another 40 minutes as well. Um, thank you so much for listening to, to uh, this week's episode, or, or rather this podcast episode. Rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> yes, thank you, Alex. We're just promoting you. <laughs> yes, do all those things, and otherwise, go check us out on social media. As I said, we have an Instagram account. If you want your question added to the jar, just like Alex just suggested, <laughs> uh, you can send us a message or a DM on Instagram. That's the best place to do it. Otherwise. 
happy reading and we'll catch you next time.